The opinions and views expressed in this program do not reflect those of KUCI, its management, or the UC Board of Regents. To find out more about this talk show or other talk shows broadcasting on KUCI, log on to our website at KUCI.org or check out the latest program guide. KUCI 88.9 FM in Irvine and standing by to join me is Meg Eden Kuyat and she's got a new book out called Good Different for ages 8 to 12. It's an extraordinary novel in verse about a neurodivergent girl who comes to understand and celebrate her difference from a promising new voice in children's literature. Welcome to the show. Thanks so much for having me. Tell me about your desire to get this book out in the world. Like, when did that first start that you really knew you wanted to write this? I, re- I remember the seed was really coming in COVID when lockdown was mm-hmm. starting. And just, I think all of us were overwhelmed and yeah. pushed to our limit. And I definitely felt um, just this really strong visceral response. And when I feel that I go to poetry and I need to write poems and so in doing that, I discovered this character, Sayla, who clearly had something to tell me. Um, and then the rest is history. I needed to figure out what her story was. And then once you have that story, it's like you want that out in the world. Yeah. How much of you was part of crafting this character? Um, I think of Sayla as emotionally me. Um, it's an emotional biography, everything that the actual literal actions that happen, that's not necessarily biographical, but um, yeah. Sayla is very much me. She was powerful like a dragon, but she learns to find power through advocating for her needs and writing poems. Self-advocacy is such an important skill to have. Is that something that you did as a, as a kid? I know it took me a while. Yes, um, it take, it's taking me a while too. Um, <laughs> it, 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 do what I'm saying, not to say what I do. It's still yes. a, a battle to, you know, self-advocate, but I think I'm growing and practicing that. I think in some ways I did as a kid, it's very weird. I guess we're all kind of, um, we all have multitudes and dualities and things that kind of don't make sense. There's so many, like Sayla, I felt like a lot of my sensory needs, I had to just push that down and push through. Um, but there's other things that I was very vocal and opinionated about. So I uh, still trying to figure out <laughs> why that is. Tell me what it was like for you growing up, because I, I actually just discovered uh, a couple of years ago that I have ADHD and mm. now it makes total sense when I think about how, um, well, so many things like I procrastinated, I didn't really read, I didn't do my assignments. I was a really bad student. I didn't speak up. I couldn't see the board. I mean, I, I just, I just couldn't learn. I still have issues with reading at times. Like I really takes me to time to really focus, uh, very easily distracted. School was easy for the most part, Mm -hmm. Um, but I think there were other aspects that were really hard. Like if I had been struggling with some of the things you described, I also would have kind of just pushed that down and not been able to kind of figure out. And I struggled with reading and focus, like um, maybe it was just the books we had when I was growing up. I Probably. just, I really struggled to be engaged reading. Like we had, my, which breaks my mom's heart because she, well now not anymore because I love reading, but at the time, you know, she loves Lord of the Rings and we read Lord of the Rings. I just like could not get through it. And my mom's like, how are you my child? <laughs> <laughs> oh, 
I know sometimes there's, I think also they, they were intimidating. Like the bigger the book, it's like, oh, really? For me. Yeah, again. So let's talk about gifted and talented. You know, that mm-hmm. phrase. What's your thought on that? That phrase when regarding children? Oh, I have lots of feelings. <laughs> I don't like it because as somebody who would have been given that name, I already felt uh, I'm still having to unpack the weight of expectations Mm -hmm. that well-meaning people put on me of saying, you know, you are so studious, you're so smart, you're so capable. Remember me when you're famous. You know, I still remember those things that well-meaning people said. And every time I can't meet the absurd expectations I put on myself, I feel like I'm failing those people. So I think a lot of gifted and talented kids by giving them a name with such weighty expectations, I think we're setting them up for disaster because we're all human. Yes. Yes. I mean, I never had the experience of being told that, but I, I would imagine you thinking, Oh, you know, I have to do more. I have to work harder. I'm never going to get to that plateau that people think I'm going to get to. Yeah. That's a lot of pressure. Right. And you don't really realize it because you think it's, because it's well-meaning. So you just think, oh, people believe in me. Here's all this good stuff. But then when you hit those limits, you just like don't even know how to deal with that. Yes. So how did you deal with that? Uh, poorly. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I uh, I went and went until I hit limits. And then um, uh, that was mainly in college and adulthood. That I really just hit this crisis of everyone else is able to do these basic things of working nine to five and feeding themselves. And I am in like comatose and I can't hold a job for very long. And I am having mental breakdowns. Like what is going on? I'm such a failure. Like, and so there was a lot of just um, having trouble uh reconciling that expectation, that unrealistic expectation on myself and the reality of my situation. Mm-hmm. And I think that's part of why I started wanting to explore a diagnosis because I started hearing about autism and going, this makes so much sense. This like this would explain so much of how I work and it would explain the the issues I'm hitting and what sure. might be able to be. So also let's talk about, you know, passing as neurotypical. Yeah. Um, what about that? There's a lot I could say, I think. It's a pretty complicated phrase. You know, what's your thought on that? Well, I think it's a necessary phrase, but it's a hard one because if you're somebody that's able to mask and pass, mm-hmm. like I know sometimes I'm like, am I autistic enough to be able to call myself autistic? I, I still feel reluctant to use certain labels because I feel like I didn't have it bad enough um, or I'm, you know, I don't struggle or have the same support needs as other people. Um, and so like with other forms of passing or issues you know you can maybe feel like you can't you don't feel like you count as part of a community and so I think that that's a struggle because especially something like neurodivergence this is such a huge category it encompasses all sorts of different support needs all sorts of different strengths Um, and so all of us are valid but you sometimes don't feel valid especially when people come up to you and say oh you don't look autistic or if you're autistic then aren't we all just a little bit autistic and then you go oh well you're making me feel like a complete loser for the things I struggle with (laughs) again well-meaning things we say but um, they can be very hurtful yeah Well, it's kind of like imposter syndrome because, I mean, I know people who have severe ADHD or severe anything. And, and if you have a, like a smidge, you're like, who am I to say I have that, you know, or, you know, yeah. Right. Right. Because you can, you can imagine how debilitating it could be into your life or how Mm -hmm. it, it, you might feel like, oh, is it debilitating enough for me? But really anything that is causing you struggles, you know, that's, 
valid to acknowledge that. Yes. So as far as I know the book is for age eight to 12, but I feel like the messages can be relevant to adults. That's my hope. And I've just been amazed at how many emails and messages I've gotten from folks who are like, I'm 43. And this spoke to exactly my struggle and, you know, or people that are my age and went, how did you write my biography? So um, I'm just blown away because I think when writing this, I was like, are people like, is publishing going to get this? Are people going to get this? Are they going to think this character's weird and unrelatable? No, a lot of people are saying they've experienced this. So was it hard to get the publisher interested? Because I bet it wasn't. The great concept. It wasn't. Yeah. <laughs> I had a really great experience with this book, but in the past I've written characters that were autistic um, and I have been discouraged in certain ways from these characters aren't relatable. These characters are unlikable. Mm -hmm. um, and I think part of claiming being autistic and um, labeling the characters as autistic has been helpful because then publishing maybe they can understand better. I don't quite yes. know. Um, but I think it was fear because of what I had experienced in the past. Sure, of course. I found uh, for myself and from talking to other people on my show that in the pandemic, having to sit with yourself for mm. a long time, socially isolated, you get to know yourself a lot better. Did you find that for yourself and as far as your writing? Yes, it gave me a lot of time to write. Um, I think a lot of us writers went, wow, we have this time that um, we could never imagine, which is a blessing and a curse, of course. There was a lot yeah. of challenge with that. And I mean, I went on this discovery of getting my autism diagnosis during COVID. So absolutely. While I was writing Sayla's story, that's when really? I was also getting that label. Yeah. So like when I was writing her, I actually was scared to call her autistic because I didn't have that diagnosis yet. I didn't want to, you know, appropriate that label if that wasn't the right word to explain how I was. So uh, I was still like, I don't know what I am. And I was so scared that I wasn't going to get a diagnosis because there's so many stories um, for ADHD and autistic women of being told, oh, you know, you function too well. You make eye contact. <laughs> you have friends. You can't possibly, you, you got good grades in school. Like your life is not completely like um devastated you can't possibly mm -hmm. have this thing like the um explanations are really uh awful sometimes so I was so scared of that but um I have a really amazing therapist who tested me and got me formally through the process and he's like yep you've got that so amazing um yeah <laughs> sorry that was a long answer to you no question. it wasn't it was an interesting answer I find it interesting that you it took the pandemic right because what if there wasn't a pandemic to right. It, like I said, it, it gave us time to really sit with ourselves and um, discover who we really are. And, and I think be kinder to ourselves. It sounds like, I mean, I, I started going to therapy too. And I feel like a lot more people started taking a deep dive. The phrase high functioning, for some people, they might not know what that means. What does that mean? So it's a well-meaning phrase for the amount of functioning that you display in society. Um, and so it's a term that I think we're trying to change it more to high support needs, low support needs, because um, you could call me high functioning. Uh, that's, there's problems with that. But one of the big problems is that that's day to day, right? There are some days like Sunday, I was not high functioning. Um, I was uh, limited verbally, uh, limited mobility-wise, limited cognition. I was white. Um, and there's days where I do not 
function um the way society would expect and so um yeah it, it's it's a measure i think that makes us think about productivity and it makes us think about what is socially normal mm -hmm. um and so i've been loving terms like support needs more um just because that's maybe a little bit more accurate but language is always changing right like we're always it trying is. to find different ways to yes. describe these things because as you said like um, neurodivergence is such a spectrum, right? Like yeah. this can look in so many different ways. So we're trying to figure out how to like explain that in language. And so it's just a constant changing thing. Do you find yourself, because um, I, I know how this applies to my, my own life, but do you find that you have to really recharge your social battery? Like you can only spend a certain amount of time socially and then it just wipes you out. It could be with one person or it could be in a party. Yes. Absolutely. Like I, I describe myself as an extroverted introvert in that I do love those social groups. I have yeah. a very rich social life, but um, if I do not get that recharge time, I will have a breakdown. It will be ugly. Mm -hmm. um, so yeah, I definitely need that time. I know you can kind of feel it like, I do not want to leave the house today. <laughs> I do not want to respond to those texts. I don't, you know, and it could be the weekend when you said you were, you know, pale, so what do you do to um, take care of yourself when you're having days like that? Um, I think you hit the nail on the head earlier of being kind, kinder to ourselves mm -hmm. um, because I am very mean to myself. Um, and so I'm really having to learn to extend grace that I am human. I have limits. And if I think I don't, that's very arrogant because I am in a human body, just like everyone else. Um, so I have to kind of kindly remind myself that that's okay, that this, um, this is how I work. I, because I'm learning my cycles and how I work, it helps me to relax more when I have those days. Um, and I just let myself do really passive activities. Uh, for me, what's really restorative is watching movies, documentaries, TV shows. It's um, getting my brain to think creatively for the next book and things yes. like that. But it's letting me passively absorb. I don't have to, like you said, with interactions with people. Right. I can just kind of take that in, lay down, take naps, play video games. All those things kind of help um, me get that introvert time and that restful time yes. so that I'm ready to yeah. do this thing. It's interesting you say you're mean to yourself because, um, for instance, early this morning I was playing tennis and I, I realized that it's a form of therapy because I have to learn how to speak nicer to myself when I screw up, like, let it go. Like, nobody is counting how many times you mess up. And the feeling of, I don't belong in this level of a class, I got to stop that because- yeah that it's such self-sabotage. And I know a lot of athletes do this, especially tennis, because you're in your head, you're in your head. And so it's learning to be kinder, to cut yourself some slack and then just say, you know what? I'm fortunate to be able to do this. Just have fun. Like just relax. What is the big deal? Right. And it's supposed to be fun too. Yeah. Imagine if you were painting and you were like, oh, this is awful. And then you just like, scribbled all over it or with right. writing, you know, writing is a tough journey of self-criticism and censoring yourself. And yeah. Yes. <laughs> Every day. <laughs> but how does it feel to have this book out in the world and also knowing who you really are now? 
it's wonderful, um, but it's so surreal because when you write something, you might imagine like, oh, this what if this is a bookshelf? What if people connect to it? But then it actually happening is this such a big, beautiful thing. It's like, I can't really even process it. The mm -hmm. things people have said already, it's just above and beyond what I ever could have imagined. And so it's like, at some point you feel so much that so it's like you hit the limits and then it's like, it's um, ineffable. It's unnameable. It's just like, yes, yeah, I can't even describe it. But what a fantastic accomplishment. I mean, soak that in. You've got a book out there that's going to really resonate with a lot of people, whether, like I said, whether it's kids or whether it's an adult reading it. Thank you so much. Absolutely. Anything else you'd like to leave listeners with? Um, I don't think so. I just hope people will check out the book, whether they're neurotypical, neurodivergent, young or old. Um, I think it's a book that you'll probably find something for you in it. Fantastic. Um, you want to give your website where people can find you or your socials? Sure. You can find more about me at megedenbooks.com. I'm also on Instagram at M-E-D-E-N underscore author. You know, and when I looked at the cover, I thought this could be an animation. <laughs> <laughs> I love the cover. They did it's such great. a perfect It's a great cover. Well, congratulations. Are you doing a mix of uh, virtual and in-person book talk? Yes. That's the way to go. Yes, I love it. I love that that's a possibility now. Yeah. Where Where's your schedule for people so they could know if you're in their city? Um. So if you go on my website, megedenbooks.com on the events page, I always try to update that with my virtual and in-person events. Okay, good. Stay All right. Congratulations. Huge accomplishment. And it was Thank great you meeting so you. Much. It was so great meeting you, Dan.